0: Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, I I say that last part because I feel like sometimes as a body of Christ, as worshippers, as believers, we need to be reminded why we are here. We are here to worship God, not to listen to a sermon. The sermon is part of the worship. The assignment of the sermon is to communicate and to challenge. So here's my promise to you. If I cannot communicate, Sister Audrey, at least I will challenge you. Because the way I challenge people is always the way I want to be challenged. Why am I saying this? I'm buying the Dickens' time to put those chairs over there. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Turn to your neighbors, say to them, God loves you and so do I. We are in a new month, we are in a new quarter. This is the third quarter, and this quarter the theme is, the theme is, that's what happens when you sit at the front of the class, belonging. For three months, the theme is belonging. Last month, the theme was, the theme was, come as you are, become belonging. Just put everything together. Why not? Why not? Last month, the theme was Come As You Are. But I I noticed something in my preparation um, this past two weeks. That while the theme was Come As You Are, Pastor, we, we, well, I at least didn't get into exactly what that meant. And so like a bad movie, I'm coming with a sequel. Okay? So the message today is entitled Come As You Are Reloaded. It is a bridge between last month and this month. If you are new to this place, you're asking yourself, what's the theme again? There's a lot. There's a lot. Three months, the theme is belonging. Last month, the theme was come as you are. This month, the theme is not just near, but needed. Because together with Pastor Henry, we we always sit down to discuss the, the, the path of the theme. And he knows my burden. My burden is... Because I talk so fast and I tend to put a lot of information into one thing. I, I like to repeat myself over and over again. If you want to know how much I like to repeat myself, ask my wife. I always repeat things all the time or at once. The reason is because my style of learning is repeatedly doing something. When I became a Christian, a uh, brother, John, I see you. Sister Nanny, I see you. This is amazing. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. When I, when I became a Christian, I, I, I stuck to the basics for over a year. I did not search in the adult Sabbath school. I stayed in the baptism class because I wanted to lock down the basics. So now when I teach, because I'm such a simple person, I repeat the same thing. We want you to not only understand, but to internalize. And so the theme this month is not just near, but needed. Because it's not enough to come. It's not enough just to show up. It's important for you to understand that you are needed. But let me be clear. God doesn't need you. God does not need you. The body of Christ needs you. There's a difference. God can do this without you or without me. But we need this more than God does. That is why it is not the angel Gabriel standing up here and preaching It is a little old sinner like me. Because God understands that in order to communicate to sinners, he must call other sinners. Let me put it this way. Charles Clayton Morrison is a journalist. And he focuses mainly on the Christian community. Well, at least did. His focus was on the politics and the issues at a global level that affect Christianity. And he said something or at least something is attributed to him regarding Christianity. Listen, look, and pay attention to what he said. The Christian church is a society of sinners. It is the only society in the world where membership is based upon uh, the single qualification that the candidate shall be unworthy of membership. What does that mean? For you to belong to the... Los Angeles Lakers, you must not only know how to play basketball, but you must know how to play basketball. Okay? For you to belong to the association of accountants, if it exists, made that up, you must know accounting. I can go on and on. But this is the only organization that exists that your unworthiness is your qualification to belong. Are you buying what I'm selling? This is the only place nobody can ask you. Can you sing? Can you preach? How much can you give? Can you smile at the door and shake hands? No. Come as you are. Pause for effect. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Move on to the next point. Let's read the text together. It is amazing to me that Thousands of years later, this is the one concept we must keep explaining over and over again. That anybody can come into the presence of the Lord. But for some reason, we've decided to keep on disqualifying people. That's why for three months, the theme is belonging. In fact, pastor, we should have started with belonging before we talked about becoming. Because you only become after You're paying attention. Let's read the text of scripture together. As always, the burden is to find the word of God that aptly makes the point. I hope this does. Get your Bibles out to Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read from verse number 9 to verse number 14. Lately, I'm stuck in the English standard version. And so if you've got it on your device, please use that instead. But if you're more comfortable with your version, to each their own. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to verse 14. He also, Jesus, told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Pause. There's something interesting about the parables of scripture. Of all the methods of communicating in history, especially in Hebrew culture, storytelling was the most effective. In fact, today, pastor, we are addicted to stories, whether it be uh, on streaming services or on, on, on channels on TV or social media. We love stories. Jesus understood this. In fact, he is considered, even outside religion or outside of Christianity, to have been a master teacher. He would employ parables to make things of heaven make sense to you and I. But the interesting thing about this parable is the punchline is given away right from the beginning. Other parables, the, the disciples had to come, the theology students had to come to Jesus and say to him, what did you mean? But this time he tells you who the audience is and what its purpose is. What is the purpose of the parable? It is for those who trust in themselves that they are righteous and treat others with contempt. Here's a parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The King James says publican. The ESV and others say a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself said, God I thank you. That I am not like other men, that I am not an adulterer, I am not unjust, and I fast twice a week, and I give a tithe. Now, let me, I'm going to keep interrupting myself. You must understand something, that according to the Jewish economy, you are required to fast once a year. During Yom Kippur, during that festive season, once a year was it required. But the Pharisees said, not only will we fast once a year, we are going to fast twice a week. And we're going to tell people that we fast twice a week. And not only that, they also gave a tithe. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Listen to me. The purpose of this parable is given away in the text. It is a comparison between those who are humble and those who are proud. Luke chapter 18 begins with two parables of contrast. The first one is about an unjust judge who is dealing with the case of a widow who is in trouble and needs his help. And the Bible says because she kept coming and coming and coming, he ended up answering her request not because he believed in her cause, But because she was pestering him. She was annoying him. In other words, this unjust judge, his throne was based on justice. But Jesus says, God's throne is based on mercy. Not only does Jesus want you to come once. He wants you to come twice, three times, and all the time. God does not get tired of answering your prayer. God bless all five of you that said amen. God does not get tired of answering your prayer. You may get tired of waiting for the answer, but God doesn't get tired of answering. In fact, sometimes when it seems he's not answering you, it's because he's busy. He's busy trying to answer your prayer, but you want him to stop so that he can entertain your victim mindset. Woe is me. Why me, Lord? Do you want God to answer the prayer or do you want him to deal with your emotional state? So anyway, God is merciful. He always answers prayer. In the second parable, Jesus takes probably two of the most infamous characters in Jewish culture he could think of and he puts them in church. He takes a Pharisee and he takes a Tax collector. The Pharisees were both respected, feared, and hated at the same time. They represented the standard of religion. If you said, What does it mean to be a Jew? everybody thought of a Pharisee. But when you thought, What does it mean to be a sinner? everybody thought of the tax collector. Tax collectors have never been loved since the beginning of time. But the tax collectors of scripture were on another level. They were Jews that were hired by Romans to collect money from their own people. But rather than collecting what the Romans asked for, the tax collectors would add on top. You know, a tithe of a tithe. They would always take more and keep for themselves. That was the arrangement. The Romans would say to them, you collect this amount, whatever you get on top, that's your commission. A blank check. And them tax collectors knew how to collect a blank check. And so Jesus takes a Pharisee and a tax collector, he dumps them in church. Because at the end of the day, ignore the theme of the text, everybody is allowed to be in church. Tax collectors and Pharisees. Help me out pastor, it's it's, it's happening again. I want to make some comparisons and then I want to separate them from each other. First of all, regardless of how you feel about these men, they were in the right place. They were both in church. The Pharisee showed up. The tax collector showed up. And if a tax collector can go to church, I have no idea what stops you sometimes. They both showed up to the right place. Not only did they show up to the right place, Pastor, but both of them believed they belonged. But for different reasons. The Pharisee believed he belonged because of what he did. He upheld and guarded the law. He did everything that was required of him. So he believed he belonged. But the 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 tax collector believed he belonged, not because of membership, but because he knew what he could get from God. Apparently, even though he was successful, even though he was making so much money, there was something going on inside of him that said to him, I have to go to the temple and look for mercy. Listen to me very carefully. He could have prayed at home. Are you listening to me? He didn't have to go to the temple to find God. After all, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. But the reason he went to the temple is because he understands that this is a community that will help me grow. And so the Bible says that the Pharisee stood by himself, but it says that the other man stood afar off. Here's a comparison I want you to see. Both of them begin their prayers the way everybody should begin their prayers. My brothers and sisters, we are such terrible sinners, such terrible liars. We are so poor at representing God that if there's any way to start a prayer, this is it. You should either say thank you or have mercy. Anything else, you are not worthy. These men both prayed at the right place to begin, but something happens after they say those words. Let's talk about the Pharisee. The Pharisee says, God, I thank you. Good place to begin, Mr. Pastor. God, I thank you. When a man of God or a woman of God expresses gratitude, that's a beautiful thing. But ladies and gentlemen, this is not gratitude. This is the Pharisee's way of saying, God, thank you for stepping out of the way while I do what I do. Thank you that I am not like other people. I don't steal money. I don't, I'm not unjust. I don't see color. Everybody's equal. All lives matter. That's the Pharisee. And he says, I don't commit adultery. So here's an examination of his prayer. He begins with gratitude, but really he's thanking himself. And then he points out three sins. That he does not commit. Theft, adultery, and being unjust to other people. By the way, liar. If there's any people who are unjust, it was the Pharisees. Listen, every time they woke up in the morning, this was their prayer. Thank you, Lord, that I am a Jew, or I'm Hebrew. Thank you that we are special, and thank you that I am not a woman. Ladies who are feminists, if you want to blame any group of men, blame the Pharisees. They decided that you were not worthy. Thank you that I'm not uh, all these things. And then for good measure, he says, especially the tax collector. Now, I I don't know what it's like in your guys' um, uh, relationships, friends, family, spouses, but have have you ever sensed passive aggression from your partner? Right? I'm not testifying. I'm just preaching. Okay, my wife is never passive-aggressive, she's just passive. Okay. Have you ever been in a room where somebody starts praying, or a a wife starts to pray, Lord, thank you for your goodness, thank you for my children, thank you that even though I'm not happy, you are my husband, you are the love of my life. Is is that a good thing? That's passive-aggressive. When a pastor gets up on the stage and he says, Lord, God, thank you for the 10% who pay a tithe, I pray that you will give them an increase and that their lives will be good. Do you enjoy that prayer or when the children's ministry leader gets up and says thank you for all the parents who help us in the kids program and for those who don't we are praying for them pastor i don't mean to gossip but please i want to pray for a family i don't know what's going on but i believe their marriage is not what is that but why do we do that why are we so happy that we are different from other people the bible says that the pharisee stood by himself now pastor i wrestled with this because I'm trying to be a scholar these days, right? So I wanted to understand, what does it mean that he stood by himself? Some versions give the idea that he stepped aside from everybody else because he felt special. So he came closer to the holy place. He was closer to the presence of God than everybody else. That's one way to think about it. The other way to think about it is that he prayed by himself, meaning he wasn't really talking to God. He was praying out loud to be heard. So that people could look at him and say, there goes a man of God. Listen to me. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. It doesn't matter how many times you preach or sing or give. It doesn't matter how much you do. As long as you do it without God, it is considered an empty experience. In fact, if you dropped a billion rupiah right now in the offering plate, but you complained while you do it, heaven records it as zero. Because your heart was not in the right place. Now, is tithing bad? No. Is fasting bad? No. But everybody doesn't have to know. The Pharisees would wear certain types of clothing on the day of fasting. And they would always walk with their heads looking down. So that people knew a holy man is passing by. God, I thank you. But when you look at the convict, I'm sorry. When you look at the the, the 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 tax collector, the Bible says that he stood far away. He didn't feel like he was part of the crowd, but he understood I need something, and so he stood afar off, Pastor, and he he said, "Lord, God, be merciful." He didn't start to uh, explain why he stole people's money. He didn't go down the rabbit hole of how his parents were bad with money. And so it 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 scarred him emotionally. And so now he became uh, addicted to money because it fed him emotionally. No, he said, forgive me, I am a sinner. He didn't blame the system. He didn't blame his teachers or professors or neighbors or friends. He simply said, I am a sinner. He didn't look at the church members and say, Lord, this church is full of hypocrites. I cannot worship here. I'm so disappointed by their actions. He said, I am a sinner. Pastor and church member offered different prayers. The Pharisee never came to pray. He came looking for prayer. Let me break something down to you. We're going to do an autopsy of the church experience in this message. Because I want you to understand that everybody doesn't come here for the same reason. Some people's religious experience is fed and uh, um, inspired by how they see other people. If I can come into the church and be, because, listen, I know in your mind, you have a definition of what a Pharisee is. You think a Pharisee is someone who talks about God all the time. You think a Pharisee is someone that brings up Jesus in every conversation. Oh, no. No. I'm going to demonstrate to you that every single day, you and I are Pharisees in one way or another. When you come into a house of worship, when you come into the family or a group of people, and you decide, okay, who's the weakest here I can compare myself to? Who's the person that is worse than me, that I can look at and say, that person is so bad, therefore I'm better, I'm good. That's what I mean when I say you are not praying, you are looking for prey. You are looking for somebody worse than you. Here's a reality. Pastor, we talked about this. If you look hard enough in society, you will always find somebody you are better than. Trust me. There's always somebody that you might look a little bit better than, that you might be smarter than, just a little bit. But at the same time, if you look a little bit harder, there's somebody better than you. So either way, you are stuck, because the goalpost is always moving. So what is the safest choice? Lord, have mercy on me. I'm not gonna criticize the Pharisee for being judgmental. I'm not gonna criticize the prostitute for selling a body. I'm not gonna criticize the scribe for challenging Jesus. I'm here for me. He never came to pray, he came looking for prayer. But on the other spectrum, there are people who also come acting like prey, prey, P-R-E-Y, prey, animals being eaten by others. Somebody said, talking about motivation, in the morning, in the African uh, uh, savannah, when the animals wake up, the lion wakes up knowing he's going to catch something. The other animals wake up knowing they need to run away. In the spiritual world, it works a little bit differently. Because some people are prey, and some people are predators. Church is full of Predators. The predators who are there to consume your hopes, your dreams, your encouragement, your enthusiasm, they're there to rob you of your effort. Here's my belief. As much as I challenge you every time I speak, I'm so grateful that you are here. You didn't have to come here. You really could have gone anywhere else. In fact, you didn't have to be in church. But because you showed up, for whatever reason, I take that as a positive. The Bible says he stood by himself, the publican stood afar off. But listen to this. Identifying as a sinner is not seeking pity and, and disqualifying yourself. It's a path to seeking quality in Christ. I want you to consume that. In case you're thinking, oh, this sermon is about bashing Pharisees. No, 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 that's not what it's about. Remember, we are all Pharisees. We are all tax collectors. Let me talk to the tax collectors. Just because you keep calling yourself a sinner, doesn't mean you keep sinning. Just because you've been identified as the woman with the issue of blood, just because you've been identified as Mary Magdalene, just because you've been identified as Doubting Thomas, just because you've been identified as Rahab the harlot, just because you've been identified as blind Bartimaeus, doesn't mean you stay the same. This man came asking for mercy because he didn't want to remain the same. We have to stop with this, using the church as a laptop repair center where we remove the viruses so that you can go at them again. That is not what the temple is for. The temple is not just for forgiveness, it's for transformation. So when the man said, uh, uh, have mercy on me, I am a sinner. You are saying, I don't want to be a sinner, which means I don't want to be a tax collector anymore. Some come looking for prey, others come looking for predators. Both suffer from the same disease, comparison. That is not, that is not my original thought and that is not the wrong spelling of the word comparison. It is a preacher's way of saying it is a disease that church people suffer from, comparison. You are always looking for people to compare yourself to. You either do it because you want to feel better or you do it because you want to be, remain the same. You want to keep doing what you're doing. So you look at somebody else. You blame the pastor. You blame the elders. You blame your parents. You blame your children. You blame your job. You blame your boss. You blame the business for being prey. Amen. Amen. What you do doesn't give you a sense of belonging. Your sense of belonging should inspire what you do. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not belong to the Christian faith because I preach. I preach because I belong to the Christian faith. I'm not a member of this church because I teach and preach. I'm a member of this church because I believe in its teachings and what it expounds. Your sense of belonging should not be based on whether you can sing or preach or give or or, or whatever it is. Your sense of belonging is predicated on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And from that perspective, you begin to discover your spiritual gifts. Because it's not enough to be near, you are needed. We need to break the stereotype that 20% of the group does 80% of the work. We need to break that. The work is so much and there's few workers. I'm not talking about pastors, by the way. We need less of that and more of you out there. Somebody say amen. Amen. Pastor just said you can hold on to your career, but do it for Jesus. God can't use a tax collector. I've heard people say God can use anybody. Well, at kindergarten level, that's true. But at high school level, there's a problem. Because God can't use you if you are still the old person. But what God can use, pastor, is a former tax collector. See, there's a problem in the world today that I'm having to challenge in my conversation with the young people. And the challenge is, come as you are doesn't mean remain as you are. Come as you are is just the initial experience. But the moment you come to Christ, it is impossible to remain the same. So if you are temperamental... If you are easily discouraged, if you are moody, if you are uh, uh, so pessimistic about life, if you are so distracted, when you come to the Lord, the, the argument is you ought to live different. It might take time. It might take effort. But as the days go by, you become the person that God wants you to be. We know him as a tax collector, but at the end of his story, he was no longer doing that anymore. And just in case we missed it, God also wants to use former Pharisees. He did with the apostle Paul. Pastor, I heard you guys commenting about Paul this morning, and I just want to add something to that. It is interesting how Paul referred to himself. When he started his journey, Paul referred to himself as an apostle. As some years passed by in his letters, he referred to himself as the least of the apostles. And in his last letter, in his last experience as an old man, Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. Wait a minute, you start off as an apostle, you become less the least of the apostles, now you're the chief of sinners. You know what's happening? The closer you get to God, the more you realize how much of a sinner you are. But the closer you get to church members, the more you realize how much of a saint you are. Because the more time you step into church people, you see yourself as the greatest thing since Chitato sour cream chips. (laughs) Um, Pray for me. I have a problem. (laughs) Paul saw himself as less than. In fact, at the end of the race, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have been racing all my life, but I haven't reached the standard yet. There's a crown waiting for me, but I'm not qualified, but Jesus is. So Paul is a Pharisee who became the thing that God wants us to be. Amen, somebody. Amen. I'm, I'm, like I said, if, I, if I'm not communicating, at least I'm challenging. Final thought. Final thought. Both of them went up. The temple was up the hill. Both of them, the Bible says, came up to the temple. But only one of them came up. Came up. The other one stayed down, because Jesus says in a final analysis of the parable that only one of them was justified, and the one who was justified was the tax collector. What Jesus means is, based on the attitude of prayer, based on the plea or the thing they brought before him, only one of them wanted to be absolved. Only one of them came because he thought something was wrong. The Pharisee just came because he thought he had all of it. He didn't think he needed to be fixed. And I find in our Laodicean condition, we are very comfortable with what we are. We are very offended when the preacher says something we think is about us. Because we cannot imagine that we need Jesus. We keep thinking that Jesus is for other people. No, he's for you. That's why the parable said, this is for the people that think they're better than others. So both of them went up to the temple, but only one of them truly remained, the tax collector. Jesus said to the Pharisees, woe unto you. You go overseas, you you go over the stream, you go over the river to bring people inside and when they're inside you make them as twice as prepared for hell than you are. Because I'll tell you right now, being a Pharisee does more damage than being a tax collector. People are more forgiving of sinners Than they are of saints. Ladies and gentlemen. In the final analysis. Of understanding that it's not enough to be near. But that we are needed. God says. To truly come as you are. Is to be honest with what you are. Is to seek forgiveness for what you are. But more importantly. It's not to remain as you are. It is exhausting to watch people stay the same while they listen to the gospel over and over again. It is also exhausting to think that people don't change because we don't change how we see them. So the safest option, Pastor, what is the solution to all of this church drama? The solution is, it's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So if you and I all come before God, seeking him for ourselves, what happens is the closer we get to him, the closer we get to each other. Then we become a community of belonging. Then we seek the good of the whole and not the one. But if you are not close to God, it is hard to care about other people. It's so easy to keep coming here and thinking about yourself. You got your special seat. You got your special place. You got your special people that you talk to and no one else. It is not enough to truly belong. is to not only come as you are, but is to become the thing that God needs you to be. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Dear Father, here we are before you. I believe that when we came into this building and we heard about a Pharisee and a tax collector, we were wondering to ourselves, which one am I? Most of the time, but now that we've heard the word, we realize that at certain points and at given experiences, we either behave like a Pharisee or behave like a tax collector. When we think we know what other people need, Pharisee. When we hide behind our sins and refuse to change, tax collector. When we think that the preaching is not for us, but for someone else, Pharisee. When we think that the message is not good enough to help with our problem, tax collector. When we feel that we have more to offer to the kingdom of God than somebody else, Pharisee. When we feel that prayer doesn't work, tax collector. But Lord, I thank you that you are willing to give forgiveness, absolution to both Pharisee and tax collector. You don't choose between those who've been here for 20 years and those who just walked in. We all need Jesus. You don't look at the fact that some are preachers and some are not. We all need Jesus. You don't look at who gives more than somebody else. We all need Jesus. And so Father today, you have come because you want to forgive us of our Pharisee ways and our tax collector ways. It is not enough for us to compare ourselves to other people. We need to compare ourselves to the ultimate standard who is Christ. And thank you Lord because when you see us, you don't see us as we are. You see us as we can become. And so this morning, please remind your people, please remind the boy, the girl, the man, the woman, that it's not enough to be near. It's enough to be needed. Some people don't feel they need forgiveness because they think they're not needed. And so if they're not serving, it's okay for them to live a certain way. Pastors should live right. Elders should live right. Praise singers should live right. But as for me i'm just in the audience i can do what i want tax collector and for the preacher the teacher the giver the person that feels they're doing so much that everybody should be grateful pharisee we are all here paying a debt that we owe to the god of heaven a debt we will never do enough to pay back but we will do it with joy because the closer we come to him Even though we realize how sinful we are, we are happy in his presence because sin is discouraging. Sin brings us down, it covers us with shame and guilt, but coming closer to you is wonderful because we become something else. And so, Father, as we explore this idea of being needed, I pray that we will be aware of our true need, and that is to be forgiven and to be transformed. Now I pray, dear God. Please be above us to watch over us. Please be beneath us to lift us up when we fall. Please walk ahead of us to guide us in the way. Please walk behind us that we would never go astray. May you surround us to protect us, but above all things, be in our hearts so that we can be more like Jesus and not a tax collector or a Pharisee. This is your prayer. Let me hear you say amen. And amen. God bless you.